to another edition of Divine Warrior Nijutsu Podcast with Shiha, Jason Steves. That's me. We are episode seven now. Can you believe that? And it is January 6th. And we've got some new and interesting things this time. And I cannot wait to get started. So, without further ado, here we go. I thought we would start first with how about a quick lesson in Japanese. I find that most of the people who are training in the Bujinkan or Nijitsu or martial arts, Japanese martial arts in general, should have a good foundation in the Japanese language. And if they don't, they're missing something. There's a lot to be said for the nuances of the Japanese language. And sometimes what is being said is very... Well, the Japanese language is artistic, so something can mean several different things. It could have hidden meanings, and it's very complex. So when you get a Japanese manual or a book and you're reading it or translating it into English, trans- let's say translating it into English, you have to use a specific word. But sometimes the Japanese doesn't have a specific meaning. It has multiple meanings or ideas or hidden messages. So a play on words is very common. As we know, Hatsumi Sensei likes to do. So I thought we would just, every once in a while, go over a Japanese lesson from my friends over at Japanese Pod 101. And if you want to sign up with them, they have amazing rates, very cheap. It's only a few few bucks a month normally. Um, go over to Bitly. That's bit.ly, the shorten, the, the link shortener. Go to Bitly slash Ninja 101 and sign up with them. And that is a affiliate link through me so that they know that I sent you. So without further ado, here is the first Japanese lesson. I thought we would keep it pretty basic, nothing too complicated. We'll, we'll keep closer to the um, entry level, let's say, the entry level of their Japanese lessons so that we don't overwhelm you. Uh, it may not be the very first lesson, but it's 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 in there. Um, I'm just going to pick one that I think is relatively appropriate, audio only. They also offer audio and video and flashcards and all kinds of games and puzzles and tricks. And there's constantly new stuff, literally every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, they add new content to help you learn. And it's not just a Japanese lesson. It's funny. It's real. It's Formal, informal, things you would learn in a regular Japanese manual, and things that you will hear in real life, especially different dialects of different parts of the of the country. So I'm not going to bore you anymore. Check it out for yourself. Bitly slash Ninja 101. And here is a lesson for today. Japanese Pot 101. Ohayo Tokyo. Konbanwa New York. こんにちは London Culture Class Holidays in Japan Season 1 Lesson 1 New Year's Day Hello and welcome to the Culture Class Holidays in Japan series In this series we're exploring the traditions behind Japanese holidays and observances I'm Becky, and you're listening to Season 1, Lesson 1, New Year's Day. 
On New Year's Day, the whole world celebrates the start of the year. While the calendar marks only January 1st as a holiday, in Japan we celebrate the period from the 1st to the 3rd, known as Sanganichi. Some companies and stores close during this time, and a number of unique events and customs take place. When you meet someone for the first time in the new year, be sure to greet them with Akemashite omedetou gozaimasu. That's Japanese for Happy New Year. Now, before we get into more detail, do you know the answer to this question? What do you call the morning of New Year's Day? If you don't already know, you'll find out a bit later. Keep listening. New Year's Day celebrations generally begin with the first sunrise of the year, with people worshipping at homes, the beach, and mountains. Zoni. Rice cakes boiled with vegetables. And, osechi, dishes. Festive New Year's food are eaten on New Year's Day. Zoni is a soup containing rice cakes, the seasoning of which depends on the family and region. There's a saying that goes, just like a rice cake stretches, so shall one's lifespan. So this soup is eaten with the hope for longevity. Osechi. Dishes are also eaten with the wish of having a happy and safe year. In order to seek blessings for the year, families and friends wear their finest clothes and visit a shrine. In Japan, it's customary to send New Year's cards to friends or acquaintances who have helped you in the previous year. In the cards, we write greetings and hopes for the year, as well as information on how the person or family is getting along. A picture of an animal Representing the zodiac sign for the new year is also included. In the past, people would either visit the homes of their acquaintances or receive acquaintances as guests in their homes with the new year's custom called onenshi. This custom has been simplified gradually to the point where only greeting cards are exchanged. Children receive otoshidama, meaning new year's gifts from their parents. Grandparents, relatives, and parents' friends. The traditional gift is money. Since this only happens at New Year, children get very excited about it. Otoshidama are placed into a paper envelope called an otoshidama bukuro. The average amount given to an elementary school age child is around 3,000 to 5,000 yen. As they grow older, middle school age children receive around 5,000 yen. And those in high school receive around 10,000 yen. Here's our fun fact for the day. Did you know that while people go to a shrine to pray during New Year's Day, some visit the shrine at midnight as time passes from the previous year to the new year? This practice of making a midnight visit is called Ninen Mairi. Now it's time to answer our quiz question. What do you call the morning of New Year's Day? The correct answer is Gantan. Two characters form this word. The second character, Tam, is made up of the character for sun with a single horizontal line drawn under it. With these pictographs combined, the character represents the sun rising over the horizon. And taken together, the two characters, Gantan, represent the morning of January 1st. Well, listeners, how was this lesson? Did you learn something new? In your country, how do you celebrate the new year? So, do you remember how to say Happy New Year? 
、明けましておめでとうございます。あけましでおめでとうございます。明けましておめでとうございます。はい、ジャパニーズポート101でございます。おはよう東京。こんばんは、ニューヨーク。こんにちは、ロンドン。明けましておめでとうございます。さくらです。Happy New Year, everybody.We are back.Okay, we got a great show for you today.Today today is going to be a bit of a wrap-up about last year and we'd like to introduce a few more things and talk about a very special event that happened. To all of us here on Christmas. We actually had the best Christmas gift anybody could have.、Yes. Now, as you know, our show is very, very much structured after ChinesePod.com.、Mm-hmm. Great show, right, Sakura? Yes, yes. I love it. We listen to the show all the time. Great staff over there. Those guys are the best. I had sent them an email mentioning our show. And on Christmas Eve, I don't know, Santa must have, I think one of the ghosts. <laughs> one of the three ghosts of, I don't know, one of the ghosts from Christmas past must have mentioned that you mentioned Japanese pod, but they actually took the time out to talk about our show. Wow. <laughs> I could not put into words. It was, I've got a lot of Christmas gifts, but I never had one like that.、Mm-hmm. You're talking about ChinesePod.com,、mm-hmm. the pioneers in language education through The iPod through iTunes, over 100 episodes, over 200,000 downloads. They are trendsetters on the cutting edge pioneers, and they took the time to mention our show, which just blew us away. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so we can use, maybe we can use the word sugoi here. Mmm, sugoi. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, from everybody over here, we would like to say thank you so much. And for anybody out there interested in learning Chinese, those are the guys you want to see. Everybody over there, just the best. And you can find them again at ChinesePod.com. Also, we would like to thank Air Cleanin. They are the translation and interpretation specialists. Now, Air Cleanin makes this show possible. They are generous and they sponsor us. They're a translation company located in the heart of Tokyo. They Cover all kinds of topics, translation, interpretation. If you're studying in the US and you need access to Japanese documents, they're the ones to call. Their translation is top notch. Everything will be there for you. And if you're coming here to do some kind of conference or you're coming here to visit a factory, you need an interpreter, they are the ones to call. Now you can find them at www.airclanen, E R K L A R E N. .co.jp. What you do is you access our homepage, check the links on the left about us, and there will be the information about Air Cleaning. So if you're in need of anything that has to do with Japan translation interpretation, they're the ones to contact. Thank you very much, Air Cleaning. Okay, so we hope that you had a great new year. We're going to start our New Year's show, a New Year's edition. We got, we're pulled into the studio on New Year's, New Year's <laughs> Day. So, how was your New Year's?、Mm, it was fun. I, I spent with my family. Oh, that's yes, very nice. It was nice and quiet. Very nice. Did you have any buckwheat noodle you were telling us about last,、ah, yesterday? Yes, toshikoshi soba. Yes, did you have any toshikoshi soba?、Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I made toshikoshi soba. Oh, really? Yes. And it was good. Now, is Toshikoshi soba、uh, the same as regular soba or is it a little different?、Mm, 
it's the same. Well, maybe it depends on the family. Oh. Yes, they maybe some people have it for dinner. Some people after dinner, like you know, supper later. Yes, it, I think it depends on family. I yeah. see. And do you make the noodles yourself? Uh, actually, no. <laughs> Just the soup. <laughs> Just the soup. <laughs> I see. Yes. <laughs> yes, I think some people do that. Soba is really difficult, isn't it, to make? Yes. Did, did you ever try? Uh, no. Uh, well, actually, udon. Yes. Uh, udon, which is um, noodles. It's white noodles made of wheat. Yeah, and it's uh, thicker. It's thicker. the thicker of the noodles. Yes, that one is um, much easier to make for for beginners. It's sticky, but buckwheat is very difficult. It, no, it crumbles, so it's very difficult to to knead and cut. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I I I am not you the most try. <laughs> you know kitchen inclined person. <laughs> I I have some standard things I can make, but uh, yeah, I think buckwheat. I and heard you're a very good cook. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> <laughs> Your wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we would like to talk about uh, a few things today, and pretty much about last year. We, I mean, we started this show. It was, it actually was a little time in the making. We had to get a couple of OKs. We had to make sure we were doing it right, mm-hmm. teaching, bringing you proper Japanese. So, I mean, the support has been. Incredible! We've gotten many emails. We still haven't completed the homepage yet. We want to get a message board and other things up, but we would like to thank everybody out there for listening and making it possible to bring you our show. We just really, we really got some really good emails. Especially, we've had a few. We've had more than a few from Canada. We'd like to say hello to everybody. Surprise! Yes. Konnichiwa, Canada. <laughs> yes, you get the special konnichiwa, and of course, the U.S. Konnichiwa, America. <laughs> Yes, but um, out there, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Keep the emails coming. If there's anything that you want us to do, if there's something we're not doing, if there's something that we need needs to be done, just let us know, and we're going to take care of it. You know, we want to bring you the best possible Japanese show that you can have. We want to give you the most amount for your time. We know that you're busy. We know that. You know, you you might not have the time to fully sit down and do all the things possible. So we want to get you ready for your trip here. We want to get you speaking to your friends there. Anything that we can do, let us know, and we're going to get it done for you. That is our New Year's resolution here mm. at JapanesePod101.com. So today we're going to let you enjoy the rest of your day. We hope that you spend it. You're spending it with your families. You're spending it in the best way possible. So again, we would like to say to you, Akemashite omedetou gozaimasu. Happy New Year, and you know, on Friday, Natsuko and Kazunori. Kazunori was here, and that guy, I told you he's a swinger. He taught us another phrase that we're going to give to you. Akeome kotoyoro. Okay, and slow it down a bit. Akeome kotoyoro. Akeome kotoyoro. Okay, so one more time, we'll give you the right pronunciation. Akeome kotoyoro. Okay, very, very nice. So, Happy New Year, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow. Mata ne. Be sure to stop by and check out the Premium Learning Center. Inside, we have material to bring everything you learn in the lesson together. Flashcards, quizzes, really consolidate what you learn in today's lesson. Stop by, say hi, and be sure to leave us a post. Happy New Year, everyone. Minasan, akemashite omedetou gozaimasu. I received a gift of New Year's money. Otoshidama wo moraimashita. I visit a shrine on New Year's Day. Gantan ni 
神社へお参りに行く。New Year's Day. 元旦。が、ん、た、ん。New Year's Gift of Money. お年玉。お、と、し、だ、ま。お年玉。The first three days of the new year. 三が日。さ、ん、が、に、ち。And that's your Japanese lesson. If you'd like more, look up bit.ly slash Nijo101 and get your free subscription to Japanese lessons. And they also offer a premium subscription. If you go through the link that I gave you, they'll know that I sent you and you'll get a discount instead of going directly to their site. So remember bit.ly slash Nijo101. If any of you follow me on YouTube, which you should, at,、uh, YouTube slash Bujinkan3. My username is Bujinkan3 there, and I put all kinds of videos up, currently about three per week. Anyway, if any of you follow us on YouTube, then you'll notice that once in a while I'll put some music up, not music videos, but music. Usually these are,、um, mixes that I've made from other existing music somewhere else. I usually only edit music for meditation purposes. I meditate almost every day and I like variety in the meditation music or if I hear a song somewhere or a piece of a song that induces a euphoric feeling or something like that or the, 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 the hair raising on the back of the neck, that kind of thing, then it's perfect. But then once you get something stupid in the song, that's what I edit and I remix the song so that it's ideal for meditation. You'll notice that sometimes I will upload those on YouTube, but the most recent one, you know, I thought, I was thinking, maybe I'll put these in my podcast too, because sometimes not everybody follows all of my avenues and I don't want to duplicate things. Like if I put things in the podcast, I don't want to put them in the blog. If I put them in the blog, I don't want to put them on YouTube. If I put them on YouTube, I don't want to put them in my book because then people would just be getting the same material over and over and wasting their time and money and stuff like that. So I try to focus one specific medium to deliver a message and I usually don't duplicate it. Maybe this time I was thinking the most recent song That I put up on YouTube, I would include here. It's pretty short, and I thought, man, maybe there's some people that don't follow us on YouTube and they could get it here. So, I will include a song once, at least once. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> so, the song was originally quite a bit longer. It was featured many years ago, several decades ago, I think, actually, in a movie. And it was performed by orchestra on a half shell. And there was a section of the, the second half of the song that was ridiculous, stupid, and very immature, childish. And the, and it just ruined the song. But the first part of the song was really good and it did induce a euphoric feeling. So I edited the first half to use for meditation and I completely get rid of the second half. The original name of the song was Toka and Razar and I Left the first half and I get rid of the second half, so I renamed it Toka. My version of the Toka and Razar. Which some of you may recognize immediately. And others may not. And 
if you do recognize it, then you'll know why the second half of the song was so very inappropriate and ruined the song that it had to go. But anyway, we won't do this very often, but I thought, oh, I'll put a song on there this time. It's only about a minute long. And if you want, you can edit it out. By the way, a lot of the editing softwares I use for, if it's just audio clips, I'll use Audacity. You can find that online. It's a free program. It doesn't cost anything. And you can do all kinds of good audio editing with the Audacity program. So if you wanted to, and you liked to use this music for your own meditation, you can use that very same program, edit out my talking portion of the podcast before the song and after the song and just keep the song and resave it and there you have it you have music that you can use in meditation so less talking here's the song take a listen enjoy use it if you like it if you don't 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 use it it's a minute long not a big deal so it is toka thank you here it is We've always got some new and interesting things at our store. Go check it out at bit.ly, that's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y, bit.ly slash ninja store and see what we've got new. You can always do a search in the search bar or search by categories. At the bottom of the store webpage, there's also a button that says catalog. If you click on that or any of the categories for that matter, and then you can go to the sort by option, you can sort by newest so you can see what the newest things we added. We typically like to add something new every single day so that it's always fresh and updated. I wanted to feature something today, the Wilderness Survival Card. If you don't know what these are, you can check it out. Just type in Wilderness Survival Card in our search function. It's made by ReadyMan, and we're going to feature that from them, and they're going to tell us a little bit about it. Hey, this is Evan with ReadyMan. I want to first thank you for the purchase of the Wilderness Survival Card. We wanted to jump right into a miniature discussion slash instructional video for ReadyMan members or new purchases to the Wilderness Card series. 
So we want to talk about the Wilderness Survival Card, how we came up with the Wilderness Survival Card, why we did or why we put what we put into the Wilderness Survival Card, and give a little bit more uh, essay into the minds of, of the ready man cadre here. So the first thing that we want to do is open up the discussion to Jeff, and he's going to tell us how we came up with the uh, ready man Wilderness Survival Card. So what we did here in Ready Man is we, we knew we wanted to have a survival card. So the, the first thing we had to pick was uh, the size, which is obvious. We wanted something that would be easy to carry that you could put in your wallet and forget about until you needed it. And then the second was, what were we going to make it out of? Titanium was cost prohibitive. Um, we didn't want to use regular steel because it would rust. So we settled on stainless steel um, because... It's, it's not going to rust on you. It's easy to clean. We've got needles in here that we'll talk about in a little bit. If you're going to puncture a blister or something, it, they can be sterilized. And then finally was the thickness. And we went back and forth on the thickness of the card, and we settled on the half millimeter thick that you see there with you right now. It's easy to fix this card. Uh, if you bend the spearhead or the trident or whatnot, um, you can sharpen it. And, and then also it makes it, it's that, it's that sweet spot of being able to carry this without less, without so much bulk and dropping that down. So when we were sitting together as a collective group figuring out what tools that we would need in a survival situation that we could put into a card, this is, this is what we came up with. And, and so real quick, the tools that we have here that you're looking at, on the top of the card, we have a hacksaw for cutting wood. And then right across the top, you'll recognize that serrated blade from the hostage escape card for cutting cord or cloth or, or um, uh, light bark or whatnot. And then down on the left-hand side here, we've got our trident for gigging fish. We've got an arrowhead with some fish hooks around it. And then we have a funny-looking arrowhead, which is actually for small game, so it's just impact and then right up above those we've got some needles for minor repairs or for blister control and then moving on over we've got our uh, our snare locks that also work as tensioning devices for tents as well as for lures for fishing and then we've got down on the bottom we've got an awl if you've got to do a little bit heavier sewing with some tweezers because tweezers are always a necessity because of splinters beasting bites ticks so we put those tweezers in there, and then finally the double hooks to kind of up your chances if you go out there and you're fishing. And so all of us had our own pieces and parts that we added to this and to make this card what it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. my input was uh, I thought a good idea would be to have a trident on there. Um, I'm a fish. I like to spear fish. So, yeah, um, this would be a great tool um, to wrap around either a stick. You can do an old, a used, uh, a used spear on a fishing if it breaks, if your tip breaks. But you mount it on there. You can get in little crevasses. You can use it for bugging. You can use it for fish. Um, you can actually, you can Hawaiian sling. You can make a makeshift Hawaiian sling. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great tool, and I, and I thought it'd be good. So if you're anywhere near the water, it, it would be very useful. Um, it didn't have anything to do with the fact that he's a former Navy SEAL and he had to have a tribe in there. It didn't have anything to do with that. I like tribe. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a fly fishing guide, so I've been guiding in the most remote wilderness area in the lower 48 for a substantial amount of years. And I felt it was important that we had a lot of fish hooks and different types of fish hooks 
Based on my real survival experience, uh, I went through the U.S. Army SEER school, so survival, escape, resistance, and evasion, or survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. I can never remember the E's in there and how they're arranged. But uh, in SEER school, uh, the one thing that really saved my bacon was fish hooks, and I made a fish hook out of a uh, safety pin and a uh, piece of it, uh, ear protection, a little foam piece of ear protection. And I caught a bunch of little sunfish, and man, I fed me and my team, uh, we had a substantial amount more protein than a lot of guys that were going through the same exercise. So based on my real-time survival experience and spending time in that school and as a fly fishing guide, I felt that we needed a large variety of hooks, and also you need a lot of them because you lose them. That's just the bottom line with these. Um, these actually have a slight barb, and it is made out of stainless steel, just as Jeff talked about. And we have a couple different types. In conjunction with these snare locks, you can use these snare locks as spoons uh, with, with uh, the hooks themselves in a lure-type circumstance. So you can put both hooks together. So you can use two double hooks together in conjunction with a snare lock to form the spoon. You can use this as a highly effective lure. We were out fishing with these just last week. No problems catching trout out of streams. Absolutely fantastic invention, and it's solely brought to you by ReadyMan. You can't get these anywhere else. These are 100% stainless steel. They're made in the United States, and they're brought to you by veterans, special operations veterans like ourselves. Is a high-quality product that I'll put my name on any day of the week. How about Absolutely. you guys? Absolutely. Well, cool. Enjoy your wilderness survival card. Uh, stand by for more ReadyMan cards or the card series. If you're at all interested in taking a look at this and seeing what it's all about, check out our store at bit.ly slash store and type into the search bar Wilderness Survival Card. Or you can check out any of our other stuff as well. Check out our store. We've always got some new interest. Okay, now I want to talk a little bit about certain words that people mispronounce the most in the Bujinkan, or why, why they mispronounce them. The first one, and perhaps the most important one, was Honbu, as in the Honbu Dojo in Japan. Most people will pronounce this as Honbu, but it is really pronounced Honbu. And if you can't see the difference there, what I'm referring to is the H-O-N, as in November, or H-O-M, as in Mike. Hon is correct. Hom with the M is not correct. And why people do this doesn't really matter too much. I think it's probably because that they're anglicizing it or they're borrowing sounds from English to make it easier because Honbu is a little bit more difficult to say. But in Japanese, if we go back and look at why is it, why is it Honbu and not Honbu? That is because Hon, first of all, if we take, break the word down into its root words, Hon means main, as in Honshu in Japan means the main island. Or Hon is in Hontai Takaki Yoshin. The Hon in Hontai Takaki Yoshin. One of our schools, Hon means the main school or the primary, the primary lineage of that school, right? Hon. Or if we say Hon Gyaku, it is the main or the middle, the in-between to Omote and Ura, Hon. 
in between. So when we say hon bu, now we know that hon means main, and if we take bu and break that down, bu as in budo or bujin. Okay, so uh, how about uh, bujin? Jin means person, and bu means martial, a martial way or a warrior way. So budo, that is what budo means, because do means way, so that's the warrior way or a martial way. Uh, Bujutsu means a, a warrior art. So Bujin is a martial person or a martial artist, right? Martial person or Bujin Khan is the divine warrior. So Hon Bu, Bu is the tradition, the martial military that we're practicing, the military style, the military art. So Hon Bu is the main military by itself, Hon Bu. So when we say Honbu Dojo, Dojo is the place we train. So Honbu put together with Dojo means the main martial training place, the main martial training hall. Honbu Dojo, Honbu. So when we're saying we're going to visit Honbu, it's an abbreviation of Honbu Dojo, because Honbu by itself really doesn't mean make too much sense. It's like Hon, the main martial. We're going to the main martial today, the main military. But what we mean is the main military training area. Honbu Dojo. When people say hum, humbu, and we know that this cannot exist because in Japanese there is no possibility of M as in Mike and B as in Bravo being put together. But in Japanese, ho, ho, H-O has a katakana, or hiragana, I mean. Uh, a character that is the H-O sound, and then there is a character for a standalone M. It is the only letter that has a standalone letter in Japanese. N, November. N is in November. So it is the only possibility that we could put H-O with the standalone N sound, and then a Bu, which has its own character. Hon is a character. N, Ho is a character. I mean, N is a character, and Bu is a character. There is, it is impossible in Japanese to put ho with a standalone m, as in Mike, and then bu. Hombu does not exist in Japanese and cannot exist. There is no m standalone consonant in Japanese. So it is officially honbu. The next word I wanted to touch on quickly was ukemi, as in breakfall or roll. Most people use it as roll, but it doesn't actually mean roll. Kaiten is roll, which actually kaiten means rotation, but we use it to mean roll. Ukemi really means it's a broader term for breakfalls and rolling and that kind of thing. But I'll often hear people saying two different mispronunciations. One is yukemi, yukemi with a Y at the beginning. So it softens the U going into yukemi. But there is no Y in that sense. The U is a standalone character in Japanese. Ke is a standalone character. And Mi is a standalone character. So it is U, Ke, Mi. U, not you. So don't say Yukemi. It is Ukemi with a sharp U sound at the beginning. Ukemi. The other mispronunciation I sometimes hear is the E in Ukemi right after Ke, E. Right there, uke mi, they'll sometimes anglicize that. If they saw ke in English, most people would never say ke, they would say ki. 
as in K-E-Y, perhaps, or something like that. So they might say, ukimi, ukimi, which is not a word, because E in Japanese, the E romaji version is a long E, like E, E. So, ukemi. It makes up three characters. Ukemi. Remember when we see words written in English, like ukemi or honbu, these are not English words, and we're not anglicizing them. They are romaji. Romaji is a word which means that we take Japanese sounds and we equate them to English letters to make them more like a pronunciation key for us English speakers to understand. It is not the anglicization, which means that if we take honbu, that we just talked about, or ukemi, which we're talking about now, it doesn't mean that we can take that word and then apply English rules to them. Because if I did that with ukemi, we'd probably end up with something like ukemai, ukemai. But it is not that way. It is the same Japanese pronunciation rules. Romaji is a term that is used when we apply English letters to take the place of hiragana, which is characters in Japanese that always start, or almost, I should say almost always start, with one consonant and one vowel together to make a single character in a single sound. There are exceptions. All the vowels stand alone. U, e, i, o, a, for instance. And the letter N consonant stands alone. And sometimes you can throw Ys in there, which is another rule, such as Kyo instead of ko, and it is not kiyo, it would soften the o, kyo, kyo, right? So, in this way, we can and must apply Japanese language rules using English letters as a pronunciation key, but we must remember the pronunciation rules of Japanese to make sense of them whenever we read romaji. So, it is ukemi, not yukemi, or ukimi, or yukimi. The next one is ukejoden, or ukegeden, which is high block, low block. Sometimes those two words are reversed, like joden uke, or joden, I mean, geden uke, your order doesn't matter, because the Japanese grammar rules doesn't matter if you put one word in front of the other. It doesn't work that way, so... In any event, the pronunciation I hear will be a soft Y again, so people will say yuke joden, which is incorrect. It is a hard U, so it is always uke joden, like ukemi, the same idea. Uke joden. With all these words, we must always resist the temptation to anglicize. Or if we have a slang dialogue, that is local to where we live, we must resist the temptation to put our own spin on those words, such as if you live in Texas and you have a deep Texas accent, you must refrain from putting a Texas accent on the Japanese words. Or if you are French and you have a strong French accent, you must resist putting the French accent on the Japanese words. That is not how they are spoken, and often when you hear people in videos describing the techniques or using Japanese terms, you can very clearly hear them putting their own inflections on them, 
as if it were local dialogue, which we know, of course, they are not. Next is the word ninja, the, the primary word, the main word, right? That's it, that is what we do, this is what we are. A lot of people growing up listening to cartoons or seeing it in movies and the way that they would pronounce it, nin, ninja, nin, nin, a very shallow I sound, again, anglicizing it, but in reality, the I in Japanese always sounds the same. In the language, it does not deviate. Therefore, it is a harsh I. So it is E, E, as in, if it was just N-I, for instance, it would be not ne, ne. That sounds very lazy. The Japanese way of saying N-I, the N-I character, is ni, as in two. Ni, by itself, does mean two. That's a very hard, harsh I sound. Ni, E, like that, two E's together in English. E-E. Ni, so that the word ninja does spell as ninja, not nin, nin. Never the lazy eye, it is always a lazy eye. That sounds funny, but I'm talking about the harsh eye sound. Nin, nin. Same as ninjutsu, it is not ninjutsu. Ninjutsu is the correct way. So keep the English or your local dialect out of it again. The next thing is the U in Jutsu. It is never pronounced I. You see some people writing Ninjutsu as Ninjitsu, as a Brazilian Jujitsu. It is not that way. It is several characters make up the word Ninjutsu. It is N-I, the standalone N, Ju, which is 10, and Tsu, the T-S-U character. In this case, the double, two consonants, a T and an S, followed by the vowel U. Tsu is a character in Japanese. It must be Ju. Yet if, if you say J-I, Jitsu, that is a completely different character and it changes the meaning. The meaning. If you go to a art museum in Japan, you are going to see the Jutsu. The same meaning applies there. Jutsu means art. If you change it to I Jitsu, it means something completely different. And sometimes you'll hear Hatsumi Sensei saying Kyo Jitsu, Jitsu, Kyo Jitsu, which means the interchanging of falsehood and truth. Which means Kyo and Jitsu each mean truth and lies. So if you use Jitsu, which I believe means truth, and kyo means lies, then truth, if you're saying ninjitsu, the jitsu becomes, the meaning is truth. And jutsu with you means art. Not the same thing at all. Usually if you add an I and you see people writing this ninjitsu with an I, it's usually because they don't know what they're talking about and they're frauds or whatever. And I'm not going to name anybody because it doesn't matter. It falls outside of the scope of this lesson. But I just wanted to draw your attention to it. And it is always pronounced with hard U's. Ju-tsu. And not jut and then su. In Japanese, the T falls to the second syllable. It is ju-tsu, not jut-su. Ju-tsu, ju-tsu. Nin-ju-tsu. Not jit-su. Please refrain from doing that. If you're studying ninjutsu, you should at least learn how to say some of these words. 
There is even the odd case where I hear someone say, Jat, Jatsu, Ninjatsu. There's even one person who has a strong personality on YouTube who puts many videos out, and they refer to it as Ninjatsu. And they even claim to be Soke, which is another word we'll get to. They claim to be Soke of Ninjutsu, but they say Ninjatsu, and it's not Ja, Jat. That is an English turn again of the word. It is Jutsu, Ninjutsu. There is no other way to say it. That is the correct way. Every other way is incorrect. Next, a lot of people were referring to the school Togokure Ryu, the Hidden Door School. They, I've heard lots of different things. Some of them, well, the most common one, they, they, they would say something like Togakuri, Togakuri. There's a few things wrong there. First of all, Togakuri is emphasizing one of the syllables. In Japanese, there is never, never an emphasis on any of the word, the syllables in a word. They don't have emphasis like we do in English. So, toga, the ga, when they emphasize togakure, the ga is improperly emphasized. Each um, syllable must be equally stressed in Japanese words. Therefore, togakure, togakure is the proper way to say it. Going back to another thing, when they were saying togakure, is that they're going for the last R-E, they would say ray, like R-A-Y, a ray of sunshine. There is no such sound in Japanese. It is, I don't want to say you roll your R, as in French or Spanish, because that's not quite correct either. They don't roll their R's, but it's very close to a roll there. If you could roll your R with a single roll, that would be as close as you can get. I've heard some Japanese teachers say it is in between an L and a D, which to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I can I maybe see what they're trying to say. But basically, the easiest way I would explain it is if you said a single roll as you rolled your R in French or Spanish. So, toga, cu, re, re, toga, cure, that, is, that would be the roll, but that's obviously far too emphasized. Toga, cure. And the second word, ryu, to describe a school or a tradition. The word ryu means family tradition or family school or lineage or style, something along those lines. A lot of people will say ru. Ryu, they might say ryu, or a lot of people will say ru, just trying to muddle through. And that is unbelievably lazy. Ryu, roll your R a little bit. Emphasize the Y, emphasize the U. And there is a single character to represent R-Y-U. Ryu, Ryu, Togakure Ryu. It is not Ru, it is not Ryu, or Ryu. I've heard one person say Ryu. It is Ryu. The next word is Soke, which means the head of the tradition, the head of the school, the head of the family, the head of the lineage, the head. Soke, we might translate to mean grandmaster or headmaster. A lot of people, especially way back in the 80s and stuff, would always say Sok, Sok Hatsumi, or Sok so-and-so, whatever. As in you're soak, so- soaking someone with a super soaker. But in fact, it is Soke, because there are two characters that make that up. The S-O 
so and the ke ke so ke it is always so ke the e is not silent last the last word for today i think the word q as in you're not yet a dan rank or black belt therefore you are a q rank or a green belt slash red belt for a woman slash white belt q is k y u and it is a single character with a minor character in between if you can read japanese you know what i'm talking about the y is got a minor but it is q a single syllable a single sound it is not as i have heard sometimes some people might say kui or kaiyu kaiyu is a character <laughs> cartoon character on, <laughs> on television in canada <laughs> but um it is neither kaiyu nor is it kui it is q k y u using the japanese pronunciation rules they do apply here as well so for the moment those are the, all the words i could think of that has come up in recent history that i thought i would touch on learn them please don't show up in japan of all places if you can't even speak the most basic of japanese terms i'm not pointing anybody out and if you make a mistake you make a mistake it's not a big deal but if you're not even trying and please don't produce videos on youtube pretending to be an authority figure if you cannot say the words you are teaching you look like a fool again i'm not pointing anybody out but it is a for someone who knows how to speak it especially if someone who knows how to speak basic japanese and they see you that you cannot you discredit yourself very quickly online i want to take a second to talk about the words taikai we used to have taikais all the time with hatsumi sensei not so much anymore but i wanted to talk about first what it means and then what it means taikai in japanese broken down into two parts tai is a word and kai the word tai means a party a group a crew a team or a body as we know body tai has in taijutsu but it's also in military parlance it's a company of troops a corps a unit or a squad so we could put that with the second word kai which means a meeting an assembly or a party so the tai kai would be like a group meeting or a group assembly or a crew meeting a team meeting a team assembly that kind of thing that's what taikai means now what it really means is that lately since hatsumi has stopped doing taikais there's been a lot of people using the word taikai when they have their own seminars and recently within the last year hatsumi sensei was talking at one of his meetings and he mentioned that he thought that the the taikai was only meant for him in other words while not technically registered it was basically an unwritten rule that the term taikai was meant for his use and his use only which meant that now the people are popping up everywhere bujinkan and not using the words taikai for their own and when they have meetings they are calling them taikais 
But the fact of the matter is that it wasn't Hatsumi's desire for people to use the word Taikai to express their own. It was almost a brand name so that when the words Taikai was used, it was known that Hatsumi was the primary at these meetings and they were not meant to be used by anyone else. And he expressed his dissatisfaction with other people using them. But politely, as he always does. And was hoping people would stop using them. Should he have more Taikais in the future? Which I understand is going to happen. But the fact of the matter is that he was hoping that people would have had enough courtesy to not use his name for his meetings and had joked with the other people in presence that he should perhaps now come up with a new name for his meetings since other people are using his previous name and was sort of that he was joking about maybe calling it the Dai Tai Kai, which of course Dai means the big, the big one. The big di- the big tight guys to rep- to stand out from everyone else who is now using what he was using as his own. So I guess this little lesson was twofold: one, to educate you on the meaning of the word tight guy, and two, perhaps if you're having a meeting in the future, that you refrain from using the words tight guy and come up with your own unique name instead of taking it from someone else. And that's just my two cents, though. Next, I see the hotbed question on social media is about ninjutsu, whether it's authentic, if lineages are authentic, if they still exist, things like that, blah, 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 stupid things. I just look at it a little bit and I I shake my head at this stupidity that I see people talking about online. I allow myself to go 10 minutes a day on Facebook because Facebook is the biggest time suck I've ever seen in the world. People who are spending hours and hours a day debating ninjutsu things on Facebook seriously need to get a life. They are armchair warriors to the best and nothing more. But besides that, my little rant, that's my quick little rant. <clears throat> people are talking about all these things and they're neglecting the most obvious one. Are you actually training in ninjutsu? Not not based on lineage or authenticity. I'm talking about people calling things ninjutsu and it's not ninjutsu. When you train, what are you studying? What are you training in? Are you training in hand-to-hand combat? Or let's just generalize it. Are you training in combat? Is that the only thing you're training in? Ninjutsu is a blanket term that covers a wide range of skills that has to do with survival. Surviving other people, surviving catastrophes, surviving any possible situation, sicknesses, infections, Economic, it doesn't matter what it is. Ninjutsu is about ultimate survival. Most people who say that they're training in ninjutsu are only training in combat-related arts, martial arts. Like taijutsu, 
for instance. Ninjutsu is only made up of the Taijutsu element of Ninjutsu is only one of hundreds of other disciplines. Why are people neglecting all the rest? If you're only training in Taijutsu, then you're only training in Taijutsu. You are not training in Ninjutsu. You see, like, in my dojo here, I claim proudly and boldly that we do train in Ninjutsu because we train in Taijutsu, but we also train in Amatsutatara, or help. We train in Kayakujutsu, which is fire and explosives. We train in Hojojutsu, which is rope tying. We train in Hojutsu, which is firearms. We train in Shinken Taijutsu, which is modern applications of the ancient arts. We, we do things like lock picking. We do long term food storage in case of a catastrophe. We do, um, how to hotwire cars. We do how to deal with active shooter scenarios. We deal with, uh, herbs in the in the forest and which ones are medicinal and which ones can be used to make poisons we deal with archery we deal with weapon making and forges building forges and forging weapons out of metal we deal with how to run surveillance routes on people we do counter surveillance we do intelligence gathering we do uh escape and evasion we do uh, recruiting people, we do battle strategy, we do horseback riding, we do, man, I mean, I could go on and on and on about what we do here in our particular dojo, and the reason is that, my friends, is true ninjutsu. I could go on and on about the different things we do. I'm just, I'm not reading them off a list, I'm just going off the top of my head. And if you're not doing these things, very broad, very broad, like, if you're only doing combat, you are not even close to doing ninjutsu, my friends. Ninjutsu is a huge discipline of things that enables you to, it basically puts you into the prime position for ultimate survival. That means that if your house is invaded in the middle of the night, or if the government breaks down and they're going house to house collecting everyone's weapons, or if there's a flood and you need to get to safer ground. Or you're sick or there's a, an illness of some kind going through your village. It doesn't matter what it is. Everyone always thinks one-on-one -on -one combat with some guy on the street. And I hear people boasting, oh, I turned to ninjutsu and now I work at a bar. And I'm a bartender or a, a doorman and I have combat experience. Dude, I've been a doorman too. First of all. <clears throat> they're all drunk. That's not true combat, all right? Anybody can fight a drunk dude. Second of all, I've been in the military, and I've shot people, okay? I know what true combat is, and I've had them come up on me, close range, so that I couldn't shoot anymore, and I had to deal with it. This is not the same as being in a bar. If you've only fought people in the bar as a doorman, you don't know shit about combat, all right? So... That's another little side rant. The point I wanted to get across with this little piece is what is Nijutsu? And if you want real Nijutsu and you're only getting Taijutsu, dude, you'd better spread your wings and look for a true Nijutsu teacher. Um, they are, they are out there. 
people who trained with Hatsumi Sensei, for instance, way back in the 80s and 90s, perhaps 90s, it kind of stopped around then, were getting ninjutsu. And then he changed the name to Budo Taijutsu because he didn't do it because it more reflected what he was teaching. He did it because it was starting to hide the bad name of ninjutsu. People were seeing what it looked like in the movies and cartoons and it worked in our favor in the beginning. It was the ninja boom and it was drawing attention and then it was hard to get the bad rep and he changed it to Budo Taijutsu. And if you go back before ninjutsu even, for instance, I think it's Takagi Yoshimiryu. Back when Takamatsu was teaching that to Hatsumi Sensei, if I'm if I'm correct in my story, that used to be called Takagi Yoshinoryu Karate. It was Karate. It was not known as Ninjutsu or anything like that. But now that's not to say it was mechanical and it resembled Karate like we see it today. But it was Karate nonetheless, if you look at the purest form of the word. But it suited them to change the name, as sometimes they do. And the name doesn't mean anything. Part of Nijisu, the real part, one of the real parts of Nijisu is gathering information anywhere you can get it to survive. That means whether you have lineage or not, if you see a skill that has nothing to do with your lineage, for instance, if I'm training with Hatsumi Sensei in Japan and I see a skill that the Navy SEALs do, that would benefit me and my group. I'm going to take it. I'm going to, I'm going to appropriate that skill and include it because, damn it, it works. Right? For instance, back in the day, before firearms were introduced into Japan, they did not have anything like that. I mean, sure, there were sort of some explosives and stuff being introduced in Nijisu, but then along came firearms. And guess what? Firearms at that moment had no official bearing on ninjutsu, but they took it and they used it and they implemented it and now it became part of ninjutsu. Why? Because they saw a new skill set that they could use and also a threat that they needed to adapt to, but, but a skill set nonetheless that they took. The same is true today. Ninjutsu grows. It gets better with each generation. It's not stagnant. It's not dead. People say that Nijisu sometimes will say that it's old school, it's ancient fighting techniques that don't apply today. But that's wrong, because Shinkan Taijutsu means the adapting of ancient skills to modern situations. So it's always growing. It's built in. It's designed that way. So it's not true when people say that it's ancient skills and it doesn't apply anymore. Or people are using a sword and people say, why are you training with a sword? No one carries a sword anymore. And I say, but it, the skill is transferable. Don't think sword. Think golf club. You're on the golf golf green and someone is assaulting you. Or a baseball bat. Or a broom if you're a janitor at a school. Or a piece of metal if you're on a construction site. Or a piece of wood. All these things, the skills of the sword, transfers to these new weapons. Not just kind of. They fit perfectly perfectly. You can wield that piece of material as if it were a sword. And you understand the sword. It is an extension of your body. Nothing has changed. Is it ancient then? No. If someone's coming at you and you've got a piece of stick in your hand and you hold it like a sword and you swing it like a sword, by golly, that person's going down. And you won't have the makers of the stick to thank. You'll have sword training to thank.
So, I'm kind of in a ranting mood today, right, as I'm reading this, or uh, uh, recording this, but I feel motivated, too. So I just thought this would be a good time to get this piece of information across. If you're not learning Nijutsu, learn it. If you want it, go get it. If you're training with a teacher who's only ever showing you combat-related techniques, you're not getting Nijutsu, go get it. You owe it to yourself if that's what you want, to seek after your dreams and your desires. Your survival is not a joke. I guarantee you that if a important situation, I'm gonna end, I'm gonna close on this with this section. If someone's coming, if something is coming at you that threatens your survival, what are the odds that it's gonna be a guy, one on one? If you look in the world, there's riots, gassings, explosions, storms is a big one. So let's say that someone coming at you one-on-one to attack you or your family, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be very liberal with this and say that it's a 10% chance that if your safety is threatened, that's how it's going to come, a one-on-one encounter. Even if that were true, which I think is much less than that, you have a 90% chance that it's going to come at you in a different way, like a forest fire or a storm, flooding, earthquakes, um, who knows what, a gas main leak, and you have to evacuate. And now everything's left behind, you have no food, everyone's put into a government shelter, which is always a bad idea. We, do, we talk about this in our classes, in our dojo. Government-run shelters are bad. Everyone's fighting for food, everyone's fighting for space, and no one's thinking about the group as a whole, everyone's thinking about me, 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 me. Anyway, that's a whole other subject. If you want ninjutsu, go get ninjutsu. Analyze your current situation. Are you getting ninjutsu? Or are you getting straight up martial art combat? This marks the end of another podcast. As you may have noticed, we did not get to the promised interview with a shihan that is living in Japan. It's taking a little bit longer. He went on vacation, but we, uh, we didn't collaborate well our schedules didn't quite jive exactly so hopefully it'll come to you in the near future but for this particular podcast which i was hoping to have it done by it was not the case so hopefully next time you'll get it when you get it these guys are pretty busy and they have their own lives so we're not going to push them too hard so thank you for joining us for another podcast uh any questions you can access everything about us at bit.ly Slash monk to ninja. That's uh, bit. dot ly slash m o n c t o n n i n j a. We'll see you next time.